good day, friends. Welcome again to another episode of the Village Catholic Conversations. My name is Art Bammer Jr., and I'm here with John Knuthia, um, and together we host the Village Catholic Conversations, and today um, we are going to continue reading uh, Gospel from Mark. Uh, but before we do that, John, how are you today? I am doing very well. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Too blessed to be stressed. Um, <laughs> my, priest, <laughs> my, my priest friend got a big kick out of that um, when <laughs> I used his quote. Um, anyway, so, John, would you like to lead us in prayer today? Yes. Um, let's just uh, pray. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you, Almighty God, for the blessing of life. Thank you for this day, the day uh, we're celebrating MLK Day. And uh, it's all about love. And help us as we go through the gospel today and everything that we'll be talking about. We talk about your love for us and for love for our neighbors. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Okay, so today's gospel uh, is from the second chapter of Mark, verse 18 to 22. Um, and we begin. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were accustomed to fast. People came to Jesus and objected. Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will, fa and they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrinking cloth on an old cloak. If he does, its fullness pulls away, the new from the old, and the tear gets worse. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins are ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, John, I got to tell you. I was reading this like five or six times today, and this is one of those ones where you go, huh? <laughs> I know. <laughs> huh? This is deep, what, my friend. What, yeah, so um, uh, what, what, what's your first impressions on, on this gospel today? My first impression is about, you know, transformation. It's about change. It's about for you to receive, you have to, change something in you. You have to become something new. And, and I think I'm just getting from the line, um, you know, no one sews a piece of unshrunken uh, cloth on an old cloak. You know, and the part of the wineskins as well, that if you want to have good wine, new wine, you have to get a new wineskin. So, I'm thinking in terms of every single day in our lives, we have a call on, to be on a mission, to be better. We have to change ourselves if you want to change the world. If you want to love more, we have to love ourselves more. 
that's my my thought process right now. It's about change transformation. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this going wineskins and cloth and what and, <laughs> and, and you know there are these times when you're not sure like what's exactly going on. But I like what you just said. That that changes the way I'm looking at this a little bit because I think what you're saying is if um if the new wine is this 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 love that Jesus is proclaiming, you you need to change your heart. Mm-hmm. For that love to actually take root and 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 stay in your heart, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, 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 yes. That is what I'm saying. Uh, yes, that's very true. Uh, I mean, you cannot be with sin and receive the love of God at the same time. If you want to receive that transformation, if you want to receive that love of Jesus Christ, then your heart must be must be changed, must be transformed. And the way we do that is through uh, penance, uh, through prayers, through um, sacrament of reconciliation, so that we can receive that which is holy for us to share with other people. I think that's just deep. I think that's, and I think it also goes with the other thing, um, change of mindset. You know, like if you want, to go up, you have to give up something, you know? Right. You cannot be holding, uh, if you want to go the stairs, you, you you have to step up. So something has to change. No, and that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I'm wondering, like, um, in, in the present times, in the current society, um, one thing I'm thinking is this: this always this uh, idea, or, or you know, people saying, you know, the young people of nowadays, the you know, the millennials of nowadays, all they want is their entitlement, or they don't work hard, and everybody's like, what do they? We need to change, <laughs> you know. There's that I've gotten that complaint a lot, like. You know, this is a generation of yes, we want things differently, but we don't want a change. So, John, you know, my first impressions of this, uh, what jumps out to me is the word wedding. And uh, as many many commentators have noted, and the the wedding theme uh, runs all the way through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. Um, and many, many references to Jesus being the bridegroom, you know, and when I think about fasting or not fasting and wedding, I think fasting is something that you do. And while you're supposed to, to not appear, uh, you know, to be all down in the dumps and like, oh, poor me, um, it's still, it's still a mortification and a difficult thing, uh, as opposed to the wedding feast, which, um, which is a joyful, uh, exuberant uh, experience. And I look at the contrast here and I say, Jesus is saying that when, when you know the joy of me being in your heart, that your life then becomes like that wedding celebration. And then ultimately in heaven, uh, in Revelation, it talks about heaven being a continuous wedding feast. 
So embracing, like how, if Jesus is in your heart, how can I, you not be joyful? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is um, a very interesting conversation here uh, because we, we see Pharisees again, you know? The Pharisees just show up and they ask, they're nudging John's the disciples. You know, your disciples don't fast. There's something wrong with Pharisees. <laughs> now be careful. There may be Pharisees listening. We we don't. <laughs> no, no. And I well, and I think that certainly there's something wrong with Pharisees because Jesus didn't go to them. To you know, he didn't pick his apostles from the Pharisees, so. Obviously, there was something in their hearts that was not quite ready to embrace, be the first ones to embrace the gospel. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's implied. And the previous, the, the, the previous chapter, I mean, the, the, the segment, the, the, they were asking Jesus, you know, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And now here they're throwing another curveball. Hey. Your disciples don't fast. Yeah. And when you were speaking about fasting and, and and wedding, my mind just went into when Jesus now was had his time now to you know finish his mission on earth. And I thought, so probably in this context as well, we can see Jesus kind of saying, When I'm gone, when I'm going through the trials, when I'm going through the crucifixion, uh, crucifixion. People will fast, people will pray. But then when I rise again, when I come and join with my disciples and the people I love and those people who love me, there will be celebration. It will be like a wedding feast. Right, right. And, and that joy, I think, that's a, I think that's a little bit of a, you need to know what this is like because this is the ultimate goal. And relating that to what you said about millennials, um, and I'd be the first to say, I sometimes bust on millennials. I, I do. I, I mean, <laughs> um, they, they are a different, I, and I'm sure my parents' generation looked at my generation and yes. slapped their face. But I think of all the deficits that this generation has or all the struggles that the millennials have, um, uh, I think the one thing that, I think could apply to them is they're struggling to figure out what fills their life with joy. That's very true. And, and as, as, as much research and statistics has proven out that many, many millennials don't embrace any particular faith. They might be spiritual, but they don't embrace any particular faith or religion. Um, uh, almost unchurched. And you wonder if, if part of their struggle is um, not not knowing what fills their life with joy, because it's not their iPhone, it's not technology, and it's not free apps, and it's not all of this stuff, it's not travel, it's not any of those things um, that so wrap around the world of uh, this up and coming generation. You know, there's more. There's more. There's more. And that more comes with the realization 
of Jesus Christ. That's where it is. I, I think for me and those people I know that are seeking more whenever we have this conversation of what feels my joy, what feels my, you know, my plate, my cup, whatever you want to call it. My heart is full of joy. Why? Because it's knowing that in life, we can do all sorts of things. But when you're not connected with him, he who gives life, when you don't have a relationship with him, with Jesus Christ, then you'll always be hungry. So you'll always be hungry in seeking something instead of being hungry to serve and to love. And that's what makes, what I, that's the difference I see. Right. Right. And for us, if you have that, my friend, uh, then you are filled with that joy. You need go need to go and serve those people who are seeking. Right. Because probably through you, they will encounter him. And encounters change people. Yes. Amen. Yes. <laughs> so there <laughs> seems to be more here than meets the eye at first. <laughs> oh yes. Once you start thinking about it and diving into it and Holy Spirit leading you in a different direction, you kinda it gets you there. Yes. Yeah. And there. Yeah. I was I was reading this the first time going, Oh my heavens, what am I doing with that? So <laughs> you know, I, I read it and I was like, Holy Spirit, please help me. <laughs> <Because this is, laughs> so anyway, so so John. Today um, is also Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes, um, yes. So I think it would be appropriate for us to uh, maybe chat a little bit about that um, uh, because I think uh, as uh, people who uh, share a Catholic faith, I think there's, there's much connectivity to his message. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a very important um, aspect, especially today. And uh, in my view, in my thought, or what Martin Luther did and said, I think it's all about love. I think it's just um, allowing yourself to be loved, to let the light shine, and, and being being a pastor as he was, he, you know, he was concerned to passing this message we are talking about here, and actually encouraging, inspiring people to be to be that light, you know. To, so yeah, so, so so John, I have a question for you. As as um as an American who spent his childhood and growing up years in Africa, um mm. what 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 would be your African Catholic experience with Martin Luther King? Like was there was there any impact from him all the way across the Atlantic Ocean in your culture at all? And then what went coming here then, what is, what is your perception as someone who is a black American from Africa? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> did, I, did I say that in a, in, a, in a way that didn't sound awful <laughs> as a white guy from St. Louis? <laughs> no, just, no you know, I, I just love because it's, uh, it is just sounded funny, but that's all right. Um, I think the... The, the first time I heard about MLK, I think uh, 
I was in uh, high school, I believe. Mm-hmm. I was in the huh twenty when two thousand yeah, almost twenty years ago. And uh, its history teacher was talking, and uh, she brought a tape in class, and uh, we listened to the famous speech about I have a dream. And I have a dream touched me, and I, I was like, wow, I want to speak like that guy. I think that right. was an impression I got. Oh, man. I want to be as articulative. I want to know what I want. I want to know my purpose, my mission. I want to be that person who can inspire people. He inspired me to really want to spread love more than anything. And then when I came here and I started asking people questions about Martin Luther and how he, they understood him, there's one underlying factor that he was a people person and all he wanted is to love and serve with humility. That's the message we get from Jesus himself. And that's my short narrative about my relationship with MLK and how I see him and how I resonate with him. And, and, and I'd love to, I want to share one little story with you sure. um, uh, about, you know, growing up in St. Louis, um, there's certainly, St. Louis has a history of some racial divide. There's no question. Um, uh, back in the day, um, the most recent things in Florissant, I don't want to get into that. That, that was, there was so mm-hmm. much to that that the media wasn't able to cover. And you hear a lot from home that things were distorted, but my experience growing up, I, I did not, I was not raised in a house where we had any, we, we did not designate between whatever color your skin was. My, my parents yeah. raised me, well, I was raised Catholic. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you dealt with people who as people. Yeah. Um, and one of the formative things in my life was my, my dad spent 40 years in the grocery business. Okay. Mm-hmm. Working in grocery stores. So one of my first jobs, not my first job, but one of my first jobs was bagging groceries in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I get this, this will kill you. This crack you up. It was in a, in a city called university city, which was like a, like an urban uh, area right on the edge of St. Louis city. Um, and the, the neighborhood where this store was uh-huh. consisted of about 80% uh, black Americans uh-huh. and tw- and 20% Jewish. Oh. And and wait a minute, I don't just mean Jewish. I mean really Jewish as in very orthodox. Mm. Right next to our parking lot was the Jewish Rabbinical College. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I spent John, I spent 2 wow. years working in this store and interacting with um people who are very, very Jewish and the black community. And I learned something very important that stayed with me today. And I'll tell you what that is. It doesn't really matter what culture you come from, what your color is. There are super wonderful people and there are not so wonderful people that come from everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) You said that very right. That's I mean, I, I can tell you, um, I, there would be too many stories to even go into, but the number of times um, that there would be an interaction with this little black mother and her kids, and I would help her get the groceries in the cart, and 
she would be so gracious and thankful. And there was never an issue of the white kid and the black lady. It was two people helping each other. And, um, but that experience from when I was 16 to almost 18 has stayed with me my entire life. Not that I really saw people of color or not color before that, but it anchored in me this understanding that people are people. We are one people. We are one people. And the shade of our skin or even the culture we grew up in is still subservient to the fact that at our core, we are people created in the image and likeness of God, imperfect and broken and in varying degrees uh, of uh, living in grace, some very broken and not living in grace, but all equally loved and equal dignity in the eyes of God. And it frustrates me to no end when so many people spend so much time finding ways to divide and put us in boxes. And I, you said that earlier, I think that's what, that's the line that I know everybody cliche, Martin Luther King said, you know, judging people by their character, not their color. Mm-hmm. Like, but, but that is, that is an essence. That is Catholic theology, my friend. It's deep. That is, it is deep. It's wonderful. And um, so I think, um, Absolutely. On this day, when we honor him, we don't honor a perfect man or a saint or anything like that. We honor a man whose message resonated with truth, right? Mm -hmm. A servant leader. Yes, a servant leader. And I can tell you, you you are probably as enthusiastic as as Dr. King. I've seen you speak and you, you get going. So <laughs> you can, no, I told you the secret. <laughs> that, it's two, year 2000 when I was, when I was yeah. around. Uh, yeah. Know, yeah. Speak, that's, so. that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, John, I think we've come to an end of a little bit of a long episode today, but I think giving a little time to MLK day today was, uh, was worth it. So um, how about we close with a little prayer? Sure. Uh, And end the episode um, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for our humanity, for our creation in your divine image. Help us all as your children to love each other with the love that you give us, your love, not an imitation, but Jesus's love. Help us to live a life of faith in grace and in charity, exhibiting divine mercy in all of our actions. Jesus, we praise you for all of these great gifts. And on this day, we give you thanks for all the goodness in our lives, all the struggles we face. And may our will be your will in all that we do. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you to our listeners. And this is it for today. This has been Village Catholic Conversations. You have been with us, your hosts, John Kinuthia and Ad Bemat. Thank you so much. Until next time, be blessed. Bye.